you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We are excited that you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our study through the New Testament book of James. If this happens to be your first time joining us, we want to get to know you better. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit hopechurchlv.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card so we can do just that. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thank you for joining us today. Enjoy the sermon. If you have a copy of God's Word today, would you meet me in James chapter 5? This weekend, as a church family, we are concluding our verse-by-verse study through this New Testament book. In just a moment, we're going to look at James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. This summer, my family and I took some time to go on vacation, and we decided to go to Southern California, and the community that we stayed in was very, very small. It was so small that we actually never had to get in the car and drive anywhere. We actually walked everywhere that we went in this small community. So when we wanted to go to the beach, we walked. When we went to a restaurant, we walked. When we went to the park, we walked, and it was awesome. We were doing somewhere between 15,000 to 20,000 steps per day, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. But every day, I ran up against a challenge. And it was the same challenge every single day as we navigated this island walking on sidewalks and crosswalks and on the beach. And here was the challenge. My children do not listen to anything that I say. Maybe you can relate. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm a bad father. But my children... Do not listen to a single thing that comes out of my mouth. I want to show you a picture of my kids. This is them sitting on the front porch of the house that we rented there on vacation. No. (laughs) This is Scarlett. She's eight. This is Reagan. She's six. This is Noelle. She was really excited in this picture. She's two. And then this is Cadence. She is four. And they were a massive challenge for me as we walked all around this island. And here's why. Because even though we walked everywhere, there were still cars and traffic and traffic signals and crosswalks that we had to navigate. And so every time we walked somewhere, I was constantly watching my children. When we would go across the street, my wife, Shar and I were holding their hand. As we went to the park, I would say, okay, you go to the stop sign and you stop and you wait for daddy. As we're walking down a sidewalk, when I see a car coming, I would remind them, the street is for cars, the sidewalk is for people. And this happened over and over and over, literally every single day that we were on vacation. Here's what happened. I had a responsibility to help direct my children away from the wrong path and toward the right path. Now, it's one thing for me to tell you in kind of a funny way that when we would walk across the street, my kids maybe took a couple steps off the paint of the crosswalk. However, as we're going to see in the book of James today, 
It is something very different when a follower of Jesus drifts or strays from the truth. As we conclude our study through the book of James this weekend, we're going to see that there is potential for Jesus followers to drift away from God's plan and calling on their lives. And we're going to see who has the responsibility to help bring them back to walking in step with God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. So if you look with me in James chapter 5, it should not surprise us, but James's conclusion of this letter is not a warm and fuzzy goodbye. It's actually a bold call to action. So look at these verses from James chapter 5. He begins by saying, my brothers, which reminds us who he's writing to. He is writing to believers in the first century who are scattered. He says, my brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. During our time today, I want to ask and answer three very simple questions that will hopefully give us some clarity to be able to apply these verses from the book of James to our lives. And here's the first question I want to ask and answer. Who is a wanderer? The word wander comes right out of our text in verse 19. Verse 19 says, if anyone among you wanders. One of the things I love about the Greek language is the power of word pictures. And as you look in the original language, specifically at this concept of wandering, here's the word picture. It's the picture of a planet being in orbit according to its design. It's the idea of a planet in orbit. But the wandering comes in as if a planet in orbit according to its design begins to drift. Begins to wander in the wrong direction. That's the picture here that we see in verse 19. So as we think about wandering in looking at this text, I want us to think about it this way. Wandering is a gradual moving away from something. Wandering is a gradual drifting. It's a gradual straying away from something. Well, the natural question is, okay, what is it? possible for God's people to wander away from? Well, James continues his thought. James finishes his thought by saying, believers can wander away from the truth. Now, this is describing a deviation from the life that God intends for us according to his word. It is possible for a Jesus follower to drift away, to wander from the truth. To go out of the design God has for us and to go in the wrong 
direction. I love what Tony Evans says about this verse in his commentary. He says, there are, these are the two options, regression or progression. There's no such thing as static Christianity. A Christian cannot shift life into neutral or idle for a while. You can move forward or you can slide backward. If you're not moving forward, you are automatically drifting backward. Now here's the part of this verse for me that's so challenging. James says this can happen to anyone. Verse 19 says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. So here's what that means. It doesn't matter how long you've been going to church. It doesn't matter how many decades you've been following Jesus, how much scripture you have memorized. There is potential that anyone who follows Jesus can drift away from the truth of God. Now, before we continue to unpack this, I think it's really important for me to share a spiritual reality that must guide the way we view this idea of wandering. It's really important, so I want you to lean in. These verses in James 5 do not mean in any way that a child of God can walk away from a relationship with God. God's people have an eternal relationship with Him. God gives us eternal life. Not life for a week, not life for a month, not life for a year, not life for a decade. God gives his people eternal life and nothing can ever change that. I want to show you this in the scripture. There are multiple places we could look at, but I want you to see a few verses from John chapter 10. And these are actually the words of Jesus. He said, my sheep... Or my people, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. I love that. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. There are some people who look at this verse of Scripture in James chapter 5 and question the eternal security of the believer. But as we study this passage tonight, I want us all to be on the same page that our salvation is secure for all eternity. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are forgiven you are made right with God. You are adopted into his family and nothing will ever change that. As the people of God, we've been reconciled to him in Christ and we are secure. What James is referring to are followers of Jesus that for whatever reason drift or stray or roam away from walking in the truth and they pursue a different direction. I love what John Stott said in his commentary on the book of James. He says, James brings us within the local church, talking about believers, and urges us to watch for anyone 
who is losing grip on the truth and in whose way of life the error of sin is showing itself. But here's what I know. As I think about moments in my life when I've wondered, maybe you can relate with this. It usually doesn't look like all-out immediate rebellion. And that's not the word picture here in James chapter 5. It's subtle. It's a slow drift. It's a subtle roaming away. So here's what I want to do to help us grasp this principle that we're studying here in James chapter 5, verse 19. I want to share with you kind of an overview of a progression of a wanderer. If you and I are going to wander from the truth, how's it going to start and how's it going to progress? And maybe even in this overview, you would be able to sense from the Spirit of God a place you are right now. Because you may be wandering from the truth. I believe it starts here. It starts with neglect. You, are, you and I are going to wander from the truth, as James is describing here. It more than likely, not always, but more than likely is going to start with neglect, which is taking your faith for granted. And here's what that sounds like. That sounds like, I know I should spend time with God today. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. It looks like I love Hope Church, but they'll be having services again next weekend. It's not in opposition, but it's not passionate and intentional. It's just a nonchalant perspective on faith. So if you and I are going to progress in wandering, I believe in most cases, not all, it's going to start with neglect. But it moves on to insensitivity. And this is a, this is a phase of viewing sin as not so sinful. And in my life, and as I've talked to different people and been in ministry now for almost 20 years, here's what I've seen. It's at this place when habits or appetites of the flesh either rise up in your life or come back in your life. And I find myself in many cases justifying why what I'm wanting to do is okay and beginning to develop a hard-heartedness toward the voice of God. So if there's a wondering, if there's a progress to this thing, it's more than likely going to start with neglect and then go to insensitivity. And then it's going to become resistance, which is ceasing to listen and grow. It's ceasing to listen and grow. And people wandering to this place take on a strong sense of arrogance. Here's an example. They get a text message from someone in their group that says, hey, thinking about you today and praying you grow in your relationship with God. But here's how that lands on a person who's resistant. They think to themselves, well, who do they think they are? They should know that I'm growing in my relationship with God. There's a resistance because they don't want to hear truth that encourages them to grow and to learn. Here's, a, here's another one that I think as we progress in wandering, we, we find ourselves in isolation. And this is a pulling away from relationships. But it's subtle. We neglect, 
then we become insensitive, then we resist, and then we begin to isolate ourselves. We don't want to be around anybody who's going to speak truth toward us. And this arrogance that we had becomes stubbornness. There's no desire to hear from others. And it's at this place that fellowship with God and with God's family is usually broken. There's a pulling away from fellowship. Notice I did not say relationship. There's still a relationship with God. There's still a relationship with God's family. But the fellowship is broken. And I want you to think for a moment. Pulling away from relationship with God and God's family, the fellowship, the intimacy, the nearness, that's exactly what the enemy wants. He cannot take us out of God's hand. He cannot disconnect us from God's family. But we can have a break in fellowship, and that's exactly what he desires to see happen. And then finally, this progresses to rebellion, which is engaging in patterns of sin. And people who wander to this point are deliberately disobedient in the face of truth and from conviction from the Spirit of God. And here's what the Bible says. For people who are here, those who continue in an ongoing pattern of sin will experience the discipline of God. Because Scripture tells us in the book of Hebrews, God disciplines those that he loves. So this speaks to what James is describing as a wanderer. It's someone who is subtly drifting or roaming away from the truth. And I believe if we lay out a progression of wandering, it looks something like this in most cases. Once again, not always, but it looks like neglect, which becomes insensitivity, which becomes resistance, which becomes isolation, which ultimately becomes rebellion and engaging in patterns of sin. So that speaks to this question of who is a wanderer? What does that look like? I want to ask and answer a second question for us today, and it's this. Who is a restorer? So we look at this first question of what is a wanderer? We see that word here in verse 19. Well, the second question I want to ask is who is a restorer? If you notice in verse 19, there's a second person that is described in this verse. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. I want us to refer to this second person as a restorer. God leads his people to be a part of restoring brothers and sisters in Christ who have wandered away from the truth. One of the aspects of faithfully following Jesus is seeking to lovingly restore those people who have wandered away from the truth. And I believe the ultimate desire of a restorer is to see a brother or sister in Christ brought back into fellowship with God and fellowship with God's family. To sit back when we see a brother or sister in Christ that we love, when we see them wandering, to sit back and do nothing would be the equivalent of me on vacation watching one of my children go into the street where I know there is danger 
and me stepping back and saying, that's none of my business. You would look at me and think, what's wrong with you? That's not a healthy family. Well, in the same way, God's word tells us that as the church, we are a family. And we are called to care for one another. And when one of us wanders, God desires to use his family in order to restore brothers and sisters in Christ back into fellowship with him and fellowship with his family. So for us to really get our minds around this, what I want to do for a few moments is I want to give you a few marks that should be a part of your approach if God leads you today to be a restorer for a brother or sister in Christ who's wandering. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I felt like it brought some clarity to this principle just to list a few things, a few characteristics that should be a part of our approach if God is going to use us to help restore a brother or a sister in Christ who's wandering. Now, I want to say a couple of things up front. I believe the restoration process happens best in the context of relationships. So these moments that we're going to talk about of approaching and seeing a brother or sister in Christ repent and be restored to fellowship with God and his family happens best in relationships. But listen, it should never be attempted through technology. Which means the heart of a restorer should never include the word, I'm going to put that on Facebook. All right? Just so we're all on the same page. I felt like we needed to lay that out. So here are a couple things that I believe should be a mark of the heartbeat of a restorer. First of all, prayer. Prayer. And here's the first part of this. The first prayer is not for the person that may be on your heart. The first prayer is looking at your own heart to say, Lord, is there any part of my life that is wandering? Before I go to a brother or sister in Christ to, to share my heart with them, is there anything that you want to do in me that maybe needs to be brought back in line with the truth? But Once you feel like you are right before God and your heart is right before God, the best next step is to begin to pray for the person that God has put on your heart. And there's a lot of things that you should pray, but I want to share something with you that I believe is one of the greatest things you can pray. The greatest thing you can pray for another follower of Jesus is that they know the heart of God through the Word of God. And here's why I say that. If you think through the progression of a wanderer from neglect to insensitivity to resistance to isolation to rebellion, at some point, probably at multiple points, that wanderer has believed a lie. And the way that we combat the lies of the enemy is with the truth of God, which is the word of God. So I believe as we think about going to a brother and sister in Christ in order to restore them, there's a lot of things that we should pray. But I believe the greatest thing that we can pray is that that person ultimately would know the heart of God through the word of God. So I believe we start with prayer. Here's another mark 
that I think is important as you think about restoring a brother or sister. Humility. Humility. And I would say to you that if you are not prepared to approach your brother or sister in Christ in humility, your heart is not ready to talk to them. And you should continue to pray. And that's not just something I'm saying as an idea that's actually biblical. Look at this verse from Galatians chapter 6. This is so powerful. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, if anyone is drifting, wandering, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That's humility. It's approaching them knowing that potentially someday soon I could be sitting where you're sitting. Because all of us have the potential to drift from the truth. And so I think humility should characterize the way that we seek to restore a brother or sister in Christ. Here's a, here's a third characteristic that I think is important. Honesty. Obviously, as we seek to restore a brother or sister, there is a point of communication. And as we communicate, as we share our heart with them, I believe it should be marked by honesty. People are brought back to the truth by the truth. And as we communicate with our brother and sister in Christ who may be wandering, we are not responsible for their reaction. But we are responsible to honestly, lovingly, and humbly share the truth with them. I love this verse from the book of Proverbs. It's in chapter 27. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. We must be honest with those seeking the Holy Spirit to know what's the right way and the right time to do this. But it must be marked by honesty. And for me, I've been on both sides of this conversation. I've been in a place of approaching a brother or sister in order to say, look, I see some things in your life and I don't think they're right. But I've also been the person that's been approached. Where friends have come to me and said, listen, man, we need to talk about what we see and we just want to share our heart with you. And here's what I've learned being on both sides of the conversation. The people who really love you are willing to tell you the truth. The people who really love you are willing to tell you the truth. So as we talk about being restorers for brothers and sisters in Christ, there must be prayer, there must be humility, there must be honesty, but also there must be patience and trust. That means we should not be discouraged if we lovingly share our heart with a brother or sister in Christ who's wandering and their immediate reaction is not repentance. We need to trust that even when we stop speaking, the Holy Spirit is still speaking. And God ultimately loves that person more than anyone else. So as we talk about restoring or bringing back a brother or sister in Christ, I believe these are some marks, some characteristics that should shape the way we approach. So that's what the text is telling us about the wanderer. That's what the text is saying about the restorer. Here's a third and final question I want to speak to. What is 
the reward. Obviously, we're talking about some pretty intense situations. What is the reward, according to Scripture, for a restorer going to a wanderer with a desire to see them brought back to fellowship with God and his family? We'll look at verse 20. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Just to sum that up as we finish, I think there are a couple of ways that we experience the joy and the reward of kingdom living as we seek to restore brothers and sisters who may be wandering. First of all, the wanderer is restored to fellowship with God and his family, the church. God has a plan for all of his people. And it's good. It's a plan filled with joy, with satisfaction, and with hope. And he desires for us to experience that plan. And so when someone who is wandering away from the truth is brought back into intimacy with God, into fellowship with God's family, as the people of God, we should find joy and reward in that moment. They were wandering away from the truth, but they've been brought back in step with God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. We should find joy and reward in that reality. But also, the wanderer is protected from further consequences of sin. The wanderer is protected from further consequences of sin. God's heart is for us to experience his very best. That's why in his word we see time after time he gives us commands. And sometimes those commands say, don't do this. Here's what God's saying. Protect yourself. I know best. I know what you're going to be able to walk in and find joy and hope and freedom. So when the Bible says, don't do this, God is telling us, protect yourself. But also when the word says to do this or to engage in this, here's what God's telling us. Help yourself. Enjoy this. Because he knows when we choose to go against his commandments, it ultimately means pain for us. Believers will never experience all that sin deserves. The eternal consequences of sin have been paid for through the cross, and we will never know those things. But there are consequences here on earth for sinful decisions. So when a wandering believer repents and is restored back to fellowship with God and God's family, that person avoids further consequences of sin and ultimately does not have to face the discipline of God here on earth. And for that, we should find joy and reward. We have saved them. We have protected them from a multitude of sins because of the consequences of sin here on earth. As I've spent time in this passage for the past week or so, there has been in me such an urgency to lay this over my life and ask myself the question, am I a wanderer? 
God, are you leading me through a relationship that I already have to be a restorer? Or God, how do you want to speak to me? I want to show you a verse of scripture that hopefully for you creates the same urgency that I find in my own heart. John 10.10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. If you don't know it, we have an enemy. The devil, Satan. And his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy. Now for the believer, he can never take away your relationship with God. But he can attack your family. He can attack your life. That's his That's his aim, to steal, kill, and destroy. But here's what Jesus says. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. God is calling us to an abundant life that is eternal. But we have an enemy who is constantly seeking to draw us away from biting and walking in the truth. And God has called us as his people when we are walking in right step with him to be a part of restoring brothers and sisters in Christ back to fellowship with God and fellowship with God's family. As we conclude our service, I believe there are really three groups of people that are participating today. For some people here today, you know that you do not have a relationship with God. And for you, I want to remind you of the verse I just read. Jesus came to the earth. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross as a sacrifice for the sins of humanity. He was placed in a tomb, but he was brought back to life on a third day, showing that God was satisfied with his penalty for sin. And he now offers us abundant, eternal life that we can experience today. So if you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, I want to invite you today. In just a few moments, we're going to have pastors here along the front of the stage to come to one of our pastors and just say, I need Jesus. I need a relationship with God. And we would love to show you from the scripture how you can be born again into a relationship with God. But I also know in this service, there are wanderers. There are people here, slowly but surely, you've been wandering away from the truth. And today, God is speaking to you. You find yourself in a place of neglect, or you find yourself hard-hearted to the voice of God. You find yourself resistant to growth and to the people around you. Or maybe you find yourself in isolation, cutting off relationships within God's family. Or maybe you would say, Pastor, I'm honestly in full-out rebellion. For a long time now, I've been in a pattern of sin. If that's you, and you know that's you, here's my invitation. Be restored. Repent before God of the sin that He has made you aware of and come running back into His loving arms and experience the fellowship and the intimacy and the joy that is found in a a relationship with him and a relationship with his family. But the third group that's a part of this service 
are people who are being called to be restorers. Even as I talk, there may be someone God has put on your mind or your heart and you think, I need to approach them. I know they're wandering from the truth. I have a relationship with them and today God has put them on my heart. Here's my invitation to you today. I want to invite you when we sing in just a moment a time of response to come and get on your knees on behalf of that person God has put on your heart because he's leading you to approach them. But it doesn't start with a conversation. It starts with prayer. So I want to invite you, if you know God is leading you right now to be a restorer in someone's life, to go after a brother or sister who is wandering, my invitation to you today is to come and intercede on their behalf, to get on your knees at this altar, and to pray for them today. So regardless of who you are, if you're someone who needs a relationship with God, if you're a wanderer who needs to repent, or if you're a restorer who needs to begin with a time of prayer, we're going to respond to the Lord right now. Thank you for listening to the Hope Church LV podcast. If you haven't done so already, go rate and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Have a great rest of your day.